Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from May 16th by Pastor Randy, titled, Teach Us to Pray, Part 2. So we're in a series talking about prayer. And the fact is that, that many of you or many of us pray the same way we prayed since we were kids, which simply means we grew up, but our prayers didn't. And if your prayers haven't changed since you were a child, that just simply means your view of God hasn't changed since you were a child, because our prayers reflect our view of God. For example, if you don't pray, that means you don't believe in prayer or you don't believe God answers prayer or you just don't believe in God, period. Or if all your prayers are for small things, help me find my car keys, help me find a parking space, things like that, that just shows you believe that God's the God who answers small prayers and doesn't do anything big. Or... If all your prayers are about your wants, your needs, your wishes, God help me, bless me, please do this for me, that shows you believe that God is there just simply to serve you. And people who believe that, sooner or later, they will get disillusioned with God. God, you must not care about me. Or God, you're not really real. So, so what I want you to see first off is, is this, that, that prayers reflect what you believe about God. And we're not moving here. Can you move me up? Who's Josh, are you back there? Okay, no. All right. Here we go. Let's see if we're working. No. You're in charge, Teddy. You make me look good, all right? All right, so your prayers reflect what you believe about God. So with that in mind, what did you pray for this past week? If you say, well, I don't remember what I prayed for this past week, that says a lot. Or if you say, I didn't pray this past week, that says a lot too. But oftentimes our prayers are nothing more than, than conscious relievers or or. or, or Prayers for a lifeguard. In other words, we pray to be forgiven or we pray for help. But here's what I want you to understand. Move up, Teddy. If you want to understand how you view God, listen to the way you pray. Think about what you said. This is what disciples did. They listened to their prayers. And they listen to Jesus' prayers. And they realize there's something different going on here. Because the way that we prayed our whole lives and the way we're here, Jesus prayed, they're totally different. And they begin to think, well, wow, you know, we see Jesus pray and we see what Jesus does. Maybe there's a connection here. Maybe there's something going on with Jesus and his connection to the Father that we don't have. And so what they did is they, they got together and they elected a spokesman to come and ask Jesus, teach us how to pray. Now, I bet not one of you has ever asked anyone to teach you how to pray.
You've never said that to anybody before. So, with that being the case, would it be okay if during this series that we just all together decide we're going to humble ourselves and think there's something about prayer that maybe we need to learn? Would that be okay if we did that? If we all said, maybe there's something about prayer that I need to learn. And so they come and ask Jesus to teach them how to pray. And the first thing Jesus does, he says, let me tell you what you're doing wrong. Because sometimes before we can learn some things, we have to unlearn some things. And so that's what we went over last week. And so with that tension already there between here's how you're doing it wrong, Jesus now says, here's what you need to do. And now we're up here to, to Matthew 6, 9. Here's what he says. Therefore, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Let's go to this first word. Father. And Josh, you're back now. So if you just watch me do something like this or like this or like this, then, then you need to move. <laughs> Let me test this out one more time. No, we're not working. All right. The first word is Father. And right away, that creates some issues. That brings up some things because they did not address God as Father. There's nothing in Jewish literature referring to God as Father. There's a few times in the Old Testament where he's described as the Father of Israel, but that's it. So this is completely new to them to address Jesus as Father. And the other part of this is, is, is that when he says, our Father who art in heaven, right there, he's being very specific when he says how, how we should pray. He says, when you pray, you pray our Father. It's not dear Jesus. It's not dear heavenly being. It's not heavenly mother. It's Father. To see God as our perfect, loving, heavenly Father. And right away, that creates more issues. Because a lot of people, they didn't grow up with good fathers. And so to refer God as father, that's a problem. I was reminded that this past week, this past Monday night, meeting with our parenting classes, we divide up into small groups. And, and I'm in, in my small group. There's about seven other people there who are taking the class. And the subject is discipline. And so I ask, how are you disciplined as a child? And five of the seven people in that class said they had a father who either beat them, who, 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 who just was physically abusive to them. So when you say Heavenly Father, that doesn't bring up a good memory. It doesn't bring up a good metaphor, a good word to use. <clears throat> but God knows that. He knows that. And when we... If we refuse to address him as our heavenly father, we miss out. Everybody wants a good father, and God is one. He's our heavenly father. The other thing about father is that when you have the picture of God being a heavenly father, that's somebody who, who, you, who, you, who welcomes you, somebody who's worthy. Think of it this way. If somebody comes to me and asks me, what do I do? Or who am I? When they ask me who I am, I'm going to answer them in terms of things that I do. You know, this is where I work. This is, 
This is my accomplishments. This is where I went to school. Because whenever somebody asks us who we are, our identity, we think in terms of our accomplishments, not of our relationships. But we don't come to God based on our accomplishments. We come to him based on our relationships. He's our father. We're his son or we're his daughter. So there was this preacher who had been to his church for 40 years, and he retired. And his whole time when he was there for 40 years, every time he was preached, every time he was, whether it was Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, whatever it was, he always had a suit and tie on. So now he retires, but that's his life, his family. So he stays there in the community, and they bring a younger preacher on who dresses a little more casually. And the old preacher, he wasn't too happy about this. And so he goes to the younger, younger guy, and he says, would you dress like that if you're going for the president of the United States? And the young preacher said, well, I would if he were my dad. The old preacher said, I don't have a comeback for that. Back several years ago, when Bush was president, the women's softball champions came to the White House to be recognized. And I remember on the front page of the paper, they're catching all this flack because they came to the White House dressed so casually, some in flip-flops and things, just, just real casually. And saying, Why would you go for the present dressed so casually? But then the week later, just a week, they had a picture of two other girls that were there at the White House, and they were in flip-flops and everything too. Nobody said a word about that because that was his daughters. <laughs> Listen to what it says in Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ for himself according to the good pleasure of his will. To be adopted. We've been adopted by him. That means he wants us. You see, you may accidentally get pregnant, but you don't accidentally get adopted. You're adopted because you're wanted. Don't believe the lie that says your heavenly father doesn't want to hear from you. You've been adopted. You are the, the, the wanted. You are the welcome. You are the worthy child of God. That's what we, when we address him as father. He wants us. The next part of that prayer is in heaven. Josh, this means it's time to move. All right. In heaven. Our father who's next. This is not a comment about where God is this is, not a, this is not a comment about where God stays at or where he is, because God is omnipresent. And when you're omnipresent, weirdness isn't a reality, because God's everywhere. So this is not a comment about God's presence. It's not a comment about his residence. This is a comment about his omnipotence, that God's over everything, that God's at large and in charge of everything. We are, we're all familiar with Warren Buffett. Billionaire, many times over. Well, once a year, he auctions off a dinner with himself with the proceeds going to charity. They didn't do it last year because of COVID, but year before last, the winning bid to have dinner for, with, with Warren Buffett was $4.57 million. For a man and seven of his friends to have dinner with Warren Buffett. Now, I can't imagine anything that's worth $4.57 million that Warren Buffett has to say. But every day, we have an opportunity 
to go before the CEO of the universe. And he wants us there. We have an opportunity to, to, to be before him. Uh, in heaven, when it says in heaven, it means <clears throat> things on earth don't have to stay the way they are. That the realities here can change. You say, Randy, that sounds like supernatural stuff. Well, let me make something clear. I've given my whole life to follow a man who I believe was born of a virgin, walked on water, fed the multitudes, healed the sick, raised the dead, himself was, was crucified and buried, rose again three days later, ascended to heaven, and is going to come again. My whole life, my whole faith revolves around the supernatural. That's the God we're praying to. So when it says in heaven, it's reminding us, who are we praying to? Also in heaven means he sees things. He sees everything. He has a different view than we have. They did a, a documentary a, a few years ago. It was back in, in the 90s even about D-Day, uh, the invasion of Normandy. And they interviewed one guy who was there on the beach, and he said, we thought there's no way we could win. They interviewed another guy who was flying over in plane. He looked at everything and said, I didn't think there's any way we could lose. See, the viewpoint matters. We have viewpoint. God just has view. He just sees everything. He sees it all. Next. When we pause and reflect on who God is, we get a better understanding of who we are and why we are here. See, this rarely shows up in our prayers. That's why our prayers are so predictable. Hello, God. Thank you for the day. Here's my list. But when we stop to give thought about who we're praying to, our Heavenly Father, who is both infinite and intimate, if we take time to, to stop and think who it is we're praying to uh, about someone who's at large and in charge, we take time to do that. It's completely different. And see, you can't do that while you're driving through traffic. It's hard to focus on God and who he is while you're driving to work in the morning. That's why you need to take some time to get alone and, and get in, in the place by yourself. So here's what I want you to understand. Josh, next. Every day, we need to recenter our lives. Every day. That's what we're called to every day to recenter our lives. Because if you skip over this, if you don't stop every day to, to understand who you're talking to, who God is, if you don't do that, prayer for you will become a good luck charm. God, help me with this test. Help me resolve this issue. Every day, you need to stop and recenter your lives about who God is. Because if you don't do this, you, what's next will just fly right by you. What Jesus says next won't mean a thing. It's just going to... Here's what he says next. Josh, your name be honored as holy. When Jesus says, pray to the Father and let your name be honored as holy, that's not a proclamation that's a petition. This whole prayer is a petition. That God may you be honored. 
Whenever we realize that he gives us our daily bread, he's honored. Whenever we forgive other people as he's forgiven us, he's honored. That's what he calls us to do, to honor him. Because here's what Jesus is trying to teach. Josh, next. Jesus is teaching us to pray about what's important to God. We pray about what's important to us. God, I've got this issue I'm going through. Please resolve this issue. But what if our prayers were different? What if our prayers were not about what's important to us? What if our prayers were about what's important to God? It would look like this. God, I've got this issue. And if it brings honor to you to resolve this issue, then resolve this issue. But if it brings honor to you for me to to have this issue and your grace be upon me so that I can walk through life with this issue and people see your power in my life, then I want to keep the issue, Father. Whatever glorifies you, whatever honors you. That's not how we pray. Hey, Lord, it's Jimmy. What you going to give me? That's about how we pray. We don't pray thinking about who God is and how he can be honored and glorified and that his name be honored as holy. See, when we pray, what Jesus is saying is that when we pray, we ought to recognize what they've known since the beginning in heaven, that God's holy. And when we forget that, things don't go very well. Ask Uzzah. He forgot that God was holy. He thought he could move the, move the ark any way he wanted to, that the direction for ark moving wasn't really that important. Got struck dead. Uzziah, he forgot about the holiness of God. He goes into the temple, to the holy place, to altar incense. He got struck with leprosy. Ananias and Sapphira, they thought they were just lying to church leaders. No, they were lying to God. They were struck dead. They forgot who God was. In the Corinthian church, where it came to taking the Lord's Supper, they didn't do it in a holy manner. So Paul says, that's why some of you are sick and some of you even died. Habakkuk would, would, would stand and tremble at the voice of God. What I want you to understand is that the fear of God is not optional. Here's what Jesus is saying here, Josh. You can't pray correctly without acknowledging who God is. It's the bottom line. Jesus is teaching us to pray. The first thing he says, you've got to know who you're talking to. Your heavenly father. Asking that, that his name be honored as holy in your life. And here's the next thing that he says, Josh. Your name's going out everywhere across the United States. Over Time and time again, Josh. It's great. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. But Lord, what about my kingdom? What about my job? What about my bills? What about my relationships? What about my health? What, what, what about this situation in my life? Father, what about my kingdom? Jesus would say this. Look, we covered that. God already knows what you need even before you pray. We covered that. But here's the thing that we need to understand. When you pause and think about who you're addressing and his kingdom, 
then you realize your kingdom can wait. Your kingdom doesn't, is not a priority anymore. If you'll pause and, and remember that. Here, let's, let me just try and help you to understand that. Number one, prayer is not about moving God, but being moved by God. Okay, the second way we can put this, Josh, next. Prayer is not about convincing God to do our bidding, but about putting ourselves in a place where we're willing to do his. And if you didn't catch it with that one, let's try this third one. The purpose of prayer is to surrender our will, not impose it. See, the hard part about prayer is getting us to admit that our reign is over. It's not about us. We're not in control. That's the hard part about prayer because we like to be in control. You go to the buildings with the elevators in them. And you, you walk into the elevator, you press your floor, and then you press the closed door button. Nothing happens. You press it again, nothing happens. You want to be in control, but you're not in control. Why? Because several years ago, the ADA said whenever you walk to an elevator, they got to have so much time for the elevator doors closed in case somebody with a wheelchair or crutches are coming in. So you can press that button all you want. It's not going to happen until it's ready to happen. Crosswalks all across our country. I know it's not this way so much in Anchorage, but just about every other city, those crosswalks, they've been disabled. They don't do anything. It, it's all computerized, electronically done. They just don't remove those buttons because it costs too much money to go and remove the buttons. So you think you're controlling the traffic. You see people at crosswalks, even in Anchorage. How many times you got to press that button before it works? But people will do that when these buttons are completely disconnected because they want to be in control of traffic. You're in control of nothing. Most every building that's built is a commercial building. They have thermostats on the wall that do absolutely nothing on purpose. They put them there because they have discovered that there's a 75% reduction in service costs whenever people think they're controlling the climate. We're not in control. We love to think that we're in charge and that we can change the things happening in our kingdom with our prayers. But what Jesus is saying, you need to pray for God's kingdom to come. And for God's kingdom to come, you know what has to happen? Your kingdom has to go. If God's kingdom is going to come in your life, your kingdom has to go. That's what has to happen. So if if you've ever quit praying because God didn't answer my prayers, that says a whole lot about your view of God. God, I've got this legitimate request. There's no reason why you shouldn't do this. Why can't you just answer this very legitimate request? And so people quit praying. God, you must not care. Or you must not be there. But you see, that type of prayer, that's perfectly legitimate if God's like a cosmic vending machine, like, like God's a, a cosmic lifeguard or, 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 or just a cosmic conscious reliever. Those prayers make sense if that's what God is, if that's what he is to us. But, but what if Jesus is saying is true? What if... Life's about us, but doesn't center around us. 
What if there's something going on that's more important than our little world and our little kingdom? What if we're involved, but we're not the center of anything like that? Then things are different. Let's go next, Josh. What if prayer doesn't begin with asking, but recognizing and surrendering so that his will takes precedent over ours? What if? The reason you try to pray yourself out of a situation you behaved yourself into is because you didn't pray right to begin with. The, the reason, the reason that we don't pray to surrender to God, but we pray to be forgiven and we pray to be rescued is because we weren't sur surrendered to begin with. See, Jesus is trying to teach us how to pray without having to pray those God rescue me, God forgive me prayers. If you'll just have this in mind, if you'll just start here, that'll keep you from having to get to a place where you have to pray, God forgive me, God rescue me. Because you weren't surrendered to him to begin with. So, what keeps you from praying those prayers? Does it scare you to pray like that? Are you scared you're going to lose control? Or are you scared you're going to have to give up something? What keeps you from praying, God, it's all about you. It's all about your kingdom. God, you're large. You're in charge. You're in control of everything. God, thank you for just wanting to, to speak to me, Father, that, that I'm welcome. I'm worthy to come into your presence, the God who sees everything, the, the God who loves me with an everlasting love, that I'm able to come into your presence. What keeps you from praying prayers like that? God, I want your will to be done, not mine, but your will to be done in my life. What keeps you from praying like that? Now, if you can sit there and honestly answer that question, that's a good thing because now you know where God wants to work at in your life. See, God wants to bring you to a place where you're no longer praying those rescue prayers, those forgive me prayers, because you start out surrendering to him every day to begin with. Here's the thing. According to Jesus, if you don't pray with the spirit of surrender, you're not doing it right. Every day, every day, we need to recenter our lives around who our Heavenly Father is. And if you don't do that, your prayers will just be about informing God. God, let me tell you what's going on in my life and what I need you to do for me. Here's my list. Now, some of you, if you're honest, that's the way you've been praying for years. Dear God, thank you for this day. Here's my list. Bless me. Do this. Change him. Change her. Change this. Here's what I want you to do. And that's been your whole prayer life. Would you pray? God, help me to surrender to you, and I want to do that today. There, there's, a, there's a line in a, in a hymn that, that, that we saying before and, and saying growing up, perfect submission, all is at rest. Oh, 
Now, you see, that, that, that kind of sums it up. That when you come to God perfectly surrendered, you're in your happy place. All's at rest. And it doesn't matter if, if in your world things are falling apart. You're, all, you're in your happy place because you're perfectly surrendered to Him. Because your prayer, your desire is, Lord, even if things are falling apart, if that glorifies you, so be it. If it glorifies you to come and do a miracle in this situation, this situation, so be it. When was the last time you could say to yourself that you got before God and, and that perfect submission, all is at rest, that described you? You came to God perfectly submitted. And you were just at peace with whatever came your way that day. You were fine with it. That's what he's asking us to do. So ask the Holy Spirit, where do you need to surrender? Where is your kingdom getting in the way of God's kingdom? So what is it that needs to go? Because God, you are a father, you see it all, you can do it all, you are a good, perfect, heavenly father, you have my best interest at heart at all times, you have adopted me, you've wanted me, I'm worthy, I'm welcome to come into your presence, you want to be with me, so I know, Father, your love for me is something I can't fathom because of the cross, so Father, tell me what you need, tell me how I can surrender to you, what can I do? Because that's what I want to do first, is come surrender to you. Lord, may your will be done here on earth. Right now, in my family, in my life, may your will be done. If only we came like the disciples today. Lord, teach me how to pray. And we all left here taking Jesus' example. Just the first couple of lines. Would you be willing to do that? Would you just honestly ask yourself, what keeps you from, from praying prayers like that? Are you afraid to do that? Like I said, if that's the case, you found, you found a good thing. That's a good thing. It's a good place to be. Because now you know where God wants to work in your life. And right now is to come and just to surrender yourself to him and saying, God, I wanted to be in control. I wanted my will to be done. But now, Father, it's not my will. It's whatever glorifies you, Father, whatever carries out your will, Father, whatever carries out your plan. That's what I want more than anything else in my life. Because if God's kingdom is going to come in your life, your kingdom has to go. has to go. Are you ready to pray that like that? Are you? Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.